Hello and welcome back. Today we are going to discuss the Old Kingdom, um, its government, and its form of legitimacy, and then its its collapse, its end. Um, the Old Kingdom is the first unified period of Egypt. It's also the longest lasting. Um, its dates are um, roughly 2700 BC to 2200 BC. Different places, different books have different numbers. Um, and so, but it is the first time the Egypt is unified, that Egypt is created. That goes from the delta, from the Mediterranean Sea, to the first cataract, that eight to 900 miles. Um, and this is huge. This is very big for Egypt because the government created stability and created prosperity. Like Egypt goes from being a, a backward place, a very backward place compared to, say, Mesopotamia, and suddenly explodes into wealth and prosperity. So Egypt advances in stability and prosperity. And these are two hallmarks. This is what pharaohs do in Egypt. Egypt is a land of stability and prosperity. And as a good pharaoh, you are supposed to provide those two things. Um, we see this in the length of the dynasties. There are four dynasties in about 500 years, which means each one lasts over 100 years. Now, a dynasty is a, is a family. Um, we'll see when we hit the Romans, the, the dynasties don't last all that long. Um, Yet the dynasties in the Old Kingdom are going to last a long time, over 100 years, and each, and give way to each other in peaceful ways so that there's kind of a melting from one dynasty to the other. It's not the violent civil war break between dynasties that we see in a lot of places. Um, so we have four dynasties in 500 years. That's stability, because that means each of those families represent... Um, more or less political similarities. That is not going to be a tremendous difference from one member of the family to the other, you know, from a father to a son, from a son to an uncle. Um, so we can look at these hundreds of years of one family running the show as this kind of policy, stable policy. Um, the other thing is that Egypt had no armies. The king had, the pharaoh had a small personal guard, but they didn't have an army, nothing in the way of, say, the Assyrians or Hammurabi's Babylonians or the Hittite chariots, nothing like that, which tells you that it's a peaceful place, that um, Egypt was never attacked. I have students who go, oh, a major problem of the Old Kingdom was uh, they didn't have armies. Well, you don't have to have an army if you're never going to use it. If you're not attacked, it doesn't matter. In fact, an army is a negative if, you, if you're never attacked. So having it, an army is always a major expense. It's the most expensive thing kind of people have figured out how to build. Um, and so the old kingdom didn't need one. It wasn't going to get attacked by anybody. It was never attacked by anybody. And so they could divert their monies into other things, irrigation, infrastructure. Um, and the most important thing 
that they're going to build, that the old kingdom kings are going to put their money into, significant amounts of money into, is the pyramids. It is when you look at the pyramids, they are built in the old kingdom. The old kingdom is the kingdom that builds the pyramids. Um, and the pyramids equaled legitimacy. So why? 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 Nobody else builds pyramids in, in quite the same way for quite the same purpose. And not even other Egyptian kingdoms use pyramids. So why, why would the old kingdom do this? Well, there's a couple of things that combine to create the pyramids. The first is that the Nile floods, which means people have time. For three months out of the year, there's nothing to do. All the land is underwater. 10 feet underwater, so you get to sit. It is the greatest vacation reason ever. Nobody can go, oh, you should work harder. Well, take a look outside your window. Everything's 10 feet underwater. There's nothing to do. There's desert and there's flood. There's nothing to do. It is the greatest, you know, vacation reason ever. So people have time. With, with everything underwater, people have time. And the pharaoh and this is an important part, is a god. Pharaoh is considered a living god. Um, and the reason why, as I understand it, is he has godlike powers, especially like the gods provide stability. Well, Pharaoh provides stability. The gods provide law. Well, the Pharaoh provides law. Um, the gods provide pros prosperity. Well, f Pharaoh does things that make you richer. So there's aspects that the gods have that Pharaoh has, and so what happens over time is that Pharaoh becomes this kind of living god. So Pharaoh's a god. Now, that creates two situations. The first is he's got money. As a god, as Pharaoh, he's going to have money. He's going to have wealth. Now, we, we don't have coined money yet. Uh, we don't, we're not using gold bars, you know, like Fort Knox. But the idea is Pharaoh has wealth. Pharaoh's a wealthy guy, and because he's a god, he needs to show off. He can't be ordinary. He can't be, you know, a little better than the nobleman. He's got to be a lot better than the nobleman. He's got to show off, and so how is he going to do that? Well, pyramids are the greatest show-off that, you know, the world has kind of created. I mean, people still today go to the pyramids, go to Egypt specifically to see the pyramids. It's on plenty of people's bucket lists, to use that phrase. Um, when the when the Greeks created kind of the travel log, you know, the, the great wonders of the ancient world, boom, there was no doubt that Khufu's pyramid and the pyramids at Giza were it. That's, you got to go there. You got to see that. Um, so... It was meant, the pyramids are meant to show off. Now, there's a religious aspect to it, yes. There's a personal aspect to it, yes. It gets you close to the heaven and all that kind of stuff. But it's really about showing off. And it's about keeping people happy. You go, wait a minute, how do you keep people happy? Well, this is the legitimacy part. It's about legitimacy. They, Egyptians, did not use slave labor. The pyramids were not built by slaves. Now I know it's a traditional kind of... Wait, 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 wait. The, the 
the Hebrews were slaves, and the Hebrews built the pyramids. No, they didn't. The Hebrews are not in Egypt to the new kingdom much later. This is old. This is very, very old. The, 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 by the time we get Moses, the pyramids had been up some 2,000 years. We are as... We... We are as close to, I don't, I don't know. But the pyramids have been up for a long time before we get Moses. So it's a Sunday school kind of thing. It's an, it's an old tradition. Um, I've tried to, to find out kind of where it comes from. I, there different sources have different things. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that... Um, Really, people knew only two things about Egypt. It had pyramids, and the Hebrews were slaves there. And so they, they combined the two. They said, well, if the Hebrews were slaves, they must have built the pyramids. They didn't. The pyramids were already up. And that's the whole point about the legitimacy. Pharaohs wanted people to like them. So using slave labor, and we're going to talk about this later, with this like Qin dynasty in China— Using slave labor to build big things pisses people off. People don't like to be slaves. And you couldn't build things as big as the pyramids for as long as they're building the pyramids using slave labor. It is simply impossible to do. So they hired Egyptians, and they paid well, because that's the whole point, is they wanted the Egyptians, who had time in the summer, to be happy with Pharaoh. And so what happens is the summer comes along, the floods come in, and then the people start knocking. And they start going, hey, would you like to come work for Pharaoh? We're going to pay you very well, and we're going to give you food and entertainment and lots of stuff, and you get to hang out with other guys. You know, you'll get away from your wife and your kids, and you'll do something great, and you'll be able to tell your kids, look, I built that, and Pharaoh will be happy. You'll have money in your pocket. You'll have pride in your heart. You'll have done something great for Pharaoh. Pharaoh will do something good for you. How about that? And people said, yeah, I got nothing else going on. I'm waiting for the floods to recede. Sure, I'll go out into the desert. I'll get a tan. I'll do some hard, manly work with other men. You know, I'll get away from the wife and kids stuff. I'll go do manly stuff with other men. And then when I come back, think about this. After three months of working in the desert, you will come back with money in your pocket, a good amount of money in your pocket, um, tanned and ripped and sexy because you'll be doing three months of heavy manual labor. And so you come back ripped, sexy, tanned with a good amount of money in your pocket. That's a good deal for anybody. And the whole point, this is why you don't use slaves, is the whole point that when they get home, these guys say, Pharaoh is the man. Pharaoh's awesome. Look at me. I am tanned. I am sexy. I have money. Let's go buy some stuff. Pharaoh rocks. And then when you're going on holiday and you're driving along and you take a, and, and your son in the back goes, wow, dad, look at that. That's so big. It's such a big pyramid. You know what every dad is going to say. Well, son, I built that. Not me and 100,000 other people. No, no, no. Of course, it's going to be, I built that. Wow, dad, you're amazing. So 
This is how the pyramids worked. If they didn't work in this way, if the pharaoh got no credit for it, they wouldn't have been built. And because Pharaoh didn't need an army, because the people had time, you could combine these things. Um, size matters. This is the thing about pyramids. Size, size is going to matter. Nobody wants to build a small pyramid. Well, why? Well, because the bigger it is, the better it is. No one wants to have a cute little pyramid. No one wants to say, oh, look at my pyramid. And everyone goes, oh, it's so little. That's cute. Nobody wants that. They want a ginormous super pyramid. Now, why wouldn't they have a ginormous super pyramid? Well, we see what happens. You can, you can look at the pyramids and see what happens. They start small, they get bigger, and then they get smaller. And we'll talk about why they get smaller at the end. But the reason they start out relatively now still, even the small pyramids are big compared to anybody else's buildings in the ancient world. Um, in fact, using stone pyramids are essentially the biggest thing you can build in the ancient world. And it has to do with, with the architecture, how you're laying out the weight, um, how thick the walls are. If you want to build tall in the ancient world, you had to make your walls thick at the base. And what happens is if you to, to get it really tall, you have to make your walls so thick at the base that basically you're building on top. You're you can't build straight up. There's too much weight that will come straight down onto those onto your foundation. So what you do is you willow winnow it as you go up, and that distributes. You get less weight as you go up, which distributes it more. You know, cheerleader cheerleader pyramids work the same exact way. If you had a cheerleader column where five, three people, four people went straight up, one on the back of the other on the other, you'd you'd fall. The, the because the first person at the bottom would have to hold up. The weight of all of all the weight of those two, three, four people on t above them, whereas with a pyramid, you're you're breaking the weight on top between people between blocks, so that instead of one person having the direct weight of one, two, three people straight up, instead there's two people who hold up the weight of one person. And that is much more, you could get much higher that way. So, but what that does is it makes very little space. The pyramids are not hollow. They're not a building. There, there's, you can't live in a pyramid. There's very little air. There's very little space in a pyramid. It's big, but it means there's very little space inside. So why are they small at the beginning? Well, they're figuring out how to do it. They're figuring out how to get the math right. They're figuring out how to get the foundations right. They're figuring out how to build them. I mean, there's plenty of pyramids that fall down, and it's quite embarrassing if they do. Um, they're, they're learning the architecture, and you can watch, watch them learn it. As they, they learn it, and they know it, and they get better at it, they get bigger until you get basically Khufu and um, Kafa. I think it's Kafa. I'm going to be mistaken on that, and I, I apologize. Um, but the two of them will have the two biggest pyramids at Giza. And then you, you see, they start to get smaller as time goes on. So why would you want it to be bigger? Well, the bigger it is, the more it, it shows three things. The more people you could hire, the more people worked on your pyramid, which has to do with power and wealth. You know, I hired, look at how big it is, I hired more people. Now, that's a good thing because the more people who work on your pyramid, the more people like you. They're affected by it. It's like any other 
jobs infrastructure program. The more people who get a check that says, you know, five thousand dollars signed Pharaoh, the happier they are. The second is the more resources it took. Again, this is a money and power thing. None of the blocks that are going to build the pyramid are are in Giza or there. They had to be floated down the Nile. They came from other places. They came from quarries in other places. Well, someone had to be hired to cut that stone. Someone had to be hired to float that stone. Someone had to be hired to do, to bring all the logistics. Um, so you need more resources. You need more food to feed people. You need entertainment. Um, and the more people you have, the more entertainment you have to provide. So resources, the more and more resources. People need food. People need water. Um, so you have more people. You have more resources that are required. Again, we go to the money and the power. The bigger your pyramid are, the more it says, I did that. And the final thing, and this is very important, is time. You can't build a pyramid quickly. Khufu's, the most important, the biggest of all the pyramids, took 20 years and 100,000 people a year to build. Now, remember, they're only working, that 100,000 is only working for three months every year. And that's kind of what's going to limit limit it. But it means you had to be alive. You had to be king for a long time. Because the next pharaoh is not going to spend years of their reign finishing off your awesome pyramid. If they like you, you die, they'll top it off, they'll, they'll do a quick boom, and then they're, they're onto their pyramid. So it means that you to have, the bigger the pyramid is, the more people worked on it, the more resources were, re- were needed to construct it, and the more time you were pharaoh. All of those things equal awesomeness, equal a more powerful pharaoh, equal happier and more impressed people. So it's not just bigger equals better for no reason. There is the psychology that goes into the bigger equals better. You know nothing about Khufu. For the most part, most of you in the History 101 are not going to know anything about the Old Kingdom Kings. You know nothing about Khufu. You're going to go to Egypt, you're going to look at the pictures, and you're going to look at Khufus, which are bigger than all the other ones, and what's your impression of Khufu? Was he a loser? Was he weak? Was he poor? Was he only in charge for a year? Do you have a negative concept of Khufu? And the answer is no. You know nothing about Khufu, but the idea is he must have been awesome to have built it. It's the biggest pyramid. He must have been awesome. That's what they're going for. Um, just to give you some some correlations, and that comp- correlations, comparisons. Khufu's took 24 million, it's estimated to have taken 24 million man hours. So if one guy worked on the pyramid, it would have taken him 24 million hours to have built it. So it took 24 million man hours. That's uh, roughly 100,000 people times 20 years. Its base is 13 acres versus six acres for the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the biggest thing that was built in Mesopotamia. Khufu's pyramid is 485 feet high, which is the biggest thing until some of the cathedrals are built in the, in the Middle Ages. Um, it's 485 feet, feet high, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the tallest thing in Mesopotamia, is 75 feet high. One, what, sixth, seventh? One-seventh the size. So, we're talking massive, 
uh, order of magnitude. If you're a Mesopotamian people, you see Khufu's pyramid. You're there's just nothing you can compare it to. There's simply nothing. Your mind just goes boom, you know, and you go, wow, the Egyptians must be an awesome people. Khufu must be an awesome, awesome pharaoh. And that's just the end of it. So what is the advantage of building the pyramids? The advantage is that it touches a lot of people. That's 100,000 people every year times 20 years. That's a lot of people that go home after three months and say, Pharaoh's awesome. Think about it. It requires a lot of people and a lot of resources, which means Pharaoh has to get, has to convince a lot of people. It has to be able to purchase a lot of resources. If people hated Pharaoh, if people were like, oh, Pharaoh's a big jerk, he couldn't have built his pyramid. If people had a bad idea of, of Pharaoh, if he, they thought Pharaoh was taking advantage of them, like Khufu, they, Khufu couldn't have built his pyramid. It's simply too much over too long a time that requires too much money. If people don't like you, it simply isn't going to work. So the advantage is people like you. People look forward to it. People make money. They get ripped. They, they're happy. We don't see major revolutions against pharaohs in the old kingdom. It simply doesn't happen. So for legitimacy, it works. The disadvantage is that these are big things that require lots of money, resources, and most importantly, attention. And in fact, it's the pyramid that at one aspect is going to create the legitimacy for old kingdom kings. It's the reason why people like them and will listen to them. It's also going to be their undoing, which we're going to talk about now. So the collapse of the old kingdom. Well, pyramids are really important. They are the most important thing a pharaoh will do in, in, their, in their reign. It is the thing that shows off who they are. But there's a problem. It's not a problem. It's a distraction. And that's the job description of Pharaoh. Yes, Pharaoh's a god, but that's not his job description. His job description is essentially king of Egypt. He's got to run Egypt. His job description is not builder of pyramids. That's kind of a hobby. And that means government has to get stuff done. There's always problems. There's always things that need to be done. There's canals to be built. There's things to be dredged. There's, there's, there's always something going on. There's um, pr always problems. And so people will complain to Pharaoh. They'll write to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, you're in charge. You're Pharaoh. Can you please solve my problems? And he's expected to do this kind of stuff. But his most important thing to do is build a pyramid. So he doesn't have time to deal with little people's little problems. He has to get the resources. Like, for the three months that the pyramids are being built, that's very, very important. That's what he's going to focus on. But in the other nine months, he still has to focus. He has to make sure that they get the blocks, that he's able to secure the food supplies. He's able to get the entertainment. He's got to do all the logistics so that when people show up to build the pyramids, they have something to do. Kind of like a, a film crew. Like the worst use of a film crew is to have them sitting around because they eat, they cost money, they have to be paid. And if they're not doing anything, that's a huge waste. So you have to have all that stuff ready for them so that when the people show up, they're ready to go from day one. Which means government still has to get stuff done, but the pharaoh doesn't have the time necessarily to deal with all of those 
problems, all those low-grade problems. He'll deal with big problems, but low-grade problems, the ordinary problems of ordinary people, he doesn't have time to deal with them. So what he does is he has the nobility. The nobility, he goes to nobility, he goes, hey, there's some problems in your neighborhood. Can you deal with this? The nobility, of course, say, of course, no problem. I'll deal with it. I'll get it done. I'm loyal. So, but, they say to the pharaoh, since I now have a bigger job description, I have more work to do, I'm going to need more money for my budget. Not for myself. You're not going to pay me more. The nobility aren't going to be so, so they're, they're rich guys to start with. They're not going to be so um, uncouth as to say, pay me. I'll only do it for more pay. No, this is a patriotic thing. Sure, pharaoh, I will, of course, help you out. But my budget needs to go up because I have to now hire more people to do more jobs. And the pharaoh says, of course, no problem. It, of course you need a bigger budget. I need this jo these jobs to get done. You need to hire more people to do it. Of course, get it done. And so what happens is the money flows from the pharaoh into the nobility. And the nobility gets stuff done at the local level. Now, what we see is less money for the pharaoh equals smaller pyramids. And this is where the pyramids start to get smaller as time goes on. And what happens is, as money flows to the f nobility, the f nobility gets richer. So, and they start to, to do things. They start to do things that show off themselves, to show off that they're richer, they're powerful. Um, the other thing is, is that what happens is, is that legitimacy begins to get lost by the pharaoh and moves to the nobility. And the reason why is, this: yes, the nobility, uh, yes, the pharaoh is in charge of, of Egypt, but the smaller pyramids means he's employing less people. So there's less and less and less people who are affected by the pyramids, which means there's less people saying, oh, I built a pyramid, I helped pharaoh this year build a pyramid, pharaoh's awesome. There's less people able to say that. While at the same time, people who have problems don't go to the pharaoh anymore to solve their problems. They go to the local noble person, local nobleman to solve their problems. So what happens is a psychological shift. When someone needs something done, they don't go to pharaoh. They go to the nobleman. So the nobleman gains legitimacy as the guy who could solve problems. And so what happens is as more money leaves the pharaoh to go to the nobleman, their pyramids get smaller. They begin to lose legitimacy in the kind of minds, hearts and minds of the people. And what happens is there's a pharaoh who dies without an heir, and nobody cares. The old kingdom does not die like the Assyrians or the, even the Persians in blood and war and death. It fades away. It's one day there's the old kingdom, and the next day there's just not. And nobody really cared. It wasn't a big deal because the local noble people were doing the job. Now, what will happen is that will create the first intermediate period where there's no pharaoh. So we have kingdoms, old kingdom, middle kingdom, new kingdom. And the kingdoms are where there's stability and prosperity and a pharaoh. The intermediate periods are where there's not. There's no stability. There might not be prosperity. There's war. And the reason why the first intermediate period happens is there's no, no pharaoh. And what happens is that dawns, that begins to dawn on the nobility, who look around and go, you know what? 
being a pharaoh would be awesome. And there's not a pharaoh. Hey, wait a minute. That means I could be pharaoh. Which is fine. Except there's a bunch of nobility who say the same thing at the same time. And what happens is these guys are going to go to war with each other. They're going to get not huge Mesopotamian-type armies. They're going to get, you know... Small groups. These are these are more organized than the gang warfares of the of the pre Mesopotamian cities, but we're not talking huge thirty thousand, you know, chariot armies rolling through Egypt either. So what we have is something low grade military conflict, a Game of Thrones in a lot of ways, and that is the first intermediate period. The old king fades away, we get a first intermediate period, and when we pick up in our next lecture, we'll talk about the winner of, the, of this intermediate period fighting and the creation of the Middle Kingdom. Thank you.